WDIY Lehigh Valley Public Radio presents Lehigh Valley Discourse. Provocative, informative, and newsworthy, Lehigh Valley Discourse brings you the people and the issues that move and shape our region here on WDIY. Good evening. If it's 6 p.m. on a Thursday, even Thanksgiving, that means it's time for Lehigh Valley Discourse here on WDIY 88.1 FM and WDIY.org. I'm John Pierce, your host. Our engineer is James Johnson, faithful at the post. We have two very different topics for you this evening. The first one is an organization called Sites for Hope, and I have two guests. And then later on in the broadcast, we're going to speak with folks from the Catholic Medical Foundation. So it has to do with our health, both of these organizations. And the first one that we're going to tackle is this organization, which is called Sites for Hope. My two guests are Dennis Zayner, who is executive director and CEO of Sites for Hope, and Jennifer Pandolfo, who is director of services. So before we talk a lot about this organization, Sites for Hope, the, the title is pretty new, isn't it? Absolutely. In April of 2021, we introduced our new brand. Uh, for the previous 10 years, we, our organization had been known as Center for Vision Loss. It was actually the amalgamation of two agencies that consolidated at the time. But we decided we wanted something that was more uplifting and actually more indicative of what we do, how we transform people's lives and the impact we make on people's lives. Our clients often tell us that we are a source of hope and we bring hope to their lives. Now, were you on board when they made the change? Absolutely. I it was an effort. I, I was, I've been with the organization now about three and a half years, and I actually started the process to com- develop a brand that was more indicative of what we were. So yes, I was part of that and very proud to be part of leading the effort and to come up with the, uh, the new brand and the new strategy and to do the promotion with a great team around me. Yes, and including Jennifer. Absolutely. And Jennifer, you work mostly in Monroe County. Well, I I worked in both offices. When I originally started with our agency, I was the director of just our Monroe office, but then have just recently moved to being director of services for all of our services throughout Monroe, Northampton, and Lehigh counties. And in Monroe County, it's Stroudsburg? Stroudsburg, right. And in the Lehigh Valley? We are in south side of Allentown by Good Shepherd Hospital. Okay, this is Sites for Hope. So let's go back and let me tell you a little bit about Dennis Zayner. He's been the executive director and CEO since July of 2020. 20 years of experience in the Lehigh Valley region's nonprofit industry. Dennis, you're a nonprofit kind of guy. I am. Uh, I started my career actually wanting to be a journalist. I was uh, from graduate Lehigh University with a degree in journalism. I knew all throughout my life, even since I was a little kid, I was all about telling stories and creating stories. And what I've learned uh, through my career is there are many ways to create stories and to tell those stories. And in this role here, I have a chance to really influence a story that I think is very important to tell to, the, to everyone in the region. And it's a very uplifting and hopeful story for everybody. So it all fits in the same realm. I I, I still sometimes preliminarily think of myself as a writer, and in a way I am. It's just different ways to write. Interesting. So in your prior work with United Way of the Greater Lehigh Valley and 
the Literacy Center of the Lehigh Valley. Correct. And also the Da Vinci Science Center. Right. I spent about a dozen years at the Da Vinci Science Center helping uh, to really develop its brand uh, into something that be, that resonated with our populace and the public in a way that makes science fun and interesting and approachable. Right. So let's talk about the folks who might be availing themselves of services in Sites for Hope. Jennifer, what are the problems that you encounter with folks who come in for your services? Well, most of the people who need our services are at the point of their vision loss journey in which they can no longer do daily living skills the way they used to do them. So they have to learn a new way of doing them. We do say that we help people whose visual acuity is 2070 or worse um, with their glasses on. That's about the time that DMV takes your driver's license away. And so that's kind of the beginning of it. We help a lot of people who have macular degeneration, glycoma, cataracts, diabetic retinopathy. And we also have a lot of clients who suffer from brain injuries or strokes in which the brain, the part of the brain that sees has been damaged and therefore the individual can no longer see the way they used to. Okay, so some folks with some serious problems and you're trying to give them hope for the future. So are your services in many ways referrals to physicians other organizations and so on? That is part of it. We do refer our clients to other services where they can get help. But the crutch of what we really do is to help our clients learn how to live differently. So how to learn how to be independent, learn how to cook, clean, do their daily living skills, maybe read their mail or use the computer so that they're able to do the things they used to love to do, even though they have a visual impairment. So this means that you have classes. We have a lot of classes, yes. <laughs> we do. We, have, we offer a lot of individual and group classes for people who are visually impaired on all the different topics, that, how to cook, how to clean, how to organize, orientation and mobility, which is how to navigate your surroundings, as well as just general topics for our clients to be able to get knowledge on technology or how to find a Medicare provider or how not to be scammed. So it's a variety of different topics that we offer our clients, um, with the focus being on how to live with the visual impairment. And, and that's what you were saying before, Dennis, about more than just vision itself. Right. It's it's trying to help people to live better. It is. We are very much about uh, independence qual and quality of life and individual success. We also picked them when we picked our new name. We put, made sites plural because there are different ways to quote-unquote see. As Jennifer referred to, sometimes it's an issue of the eye. Sometimes it's an issue of the optic nerve. So there, it, it expresses that myriad of things. But again, we are about independence. We're, we're very much about improving people's lives and removing barriers. And so that we want to give them that hope for the future that their life has not stopped because of the visual impairment. It's just different. And Dennis, uh, you have a background. I think it was a grandfather. Who yes. Had problems. Yes, absolutely. Uh, my paternal grandfather was legally blind throughout his entire life. And he was actually one of the most naturally gifted, brilliant people I've ever known. He was incredibly adept at the sciences and the STEM subjects back before they were even called STEM subjects. In 1930s, in Philadelphia, with no accommodations, he was at the top of his high school class. Oh my. Unfortunately, though, he was legally blind, had no money. Nobody gave him a chance. He had no opportunity to explore where his talents could take him. And I remember many, many years later when I was in high school doing physics homework, and he was kind of hanging with me on it, and this was 50 years after he had been in high school. 
And I've, I've joked he could have been a NASA, an early NASA guy. Who, who knows what it could have been? But the real tragedy in my mind was the fact that he never found out where his talents could take him or what he wanted to really be. And he actually passed away in 2001. In the years since, I've actually, you know, I, I think about him and sometimes I become even angry about the, the fact that he couldn't, this brilliant man could not do or find out where he could, what he could do either for himself or for society at large. So when this uh, opportunity came around to join this organization during a point of career transition for me, it spoke to me, it resonated with me. And obviously I can't bring him back. I can't un- rechange his life, but Hopefully someone else doesn't have to go through the same thing. There might be a, a brilliant person out there, 18, 19 years old, who has a, a visual impairment. If we can help them, and maybe they can find out who they're going to be and what they can be. Wow. We can help give everyone the tools they need so that they could reach their, their true potential and to maintain their independence. Well, Dennis, I see what you mean by uh, your storytelling, because you just gave us a fine example <laughs> well, thank talking you. about your grandfather. Dennis Zayner had an op-ed Recently, piece, yes. Piece. Well, once, once we redid it, once we announced our new brand, yes. In the morning call in May of this year, and I learned that May is National Health Vision Month, which I didn't know before. And in that article, Dennis, you say that 10% of children have an undetected vision problem. So it's 1,500 children in the region. Well, we base that number, and Jennifer can talk about it. We, we get that number through our vision screenings, which she can talk about in great detail. And what happens, is, and that's based on a typical non-COVID year. Uh, look at the number of kids we, we screen, and about 10% we find have some sort of undetected issue. So we, we do, we offer vision screenings as, as part of our programming for kids in the Lehigh Valley and Monroe County. So we have screeners in each county that go to every daycare preschool and kindergarten registration in those three counties. And they use a a very innovative camera made by Welsh Allen called a spot machine that captures a child's eye within about two or three seconds. And the machine can pick up any type of early eye problem, nearsightedness, farsightedness, astigmatism, lazy eye, something like that. And it's real quick. And we then pass that screening result on to the parent and follow up with the parents to help and encourage the parents to get that child vision, medical vision help if they need it with an eye professional and to help them get the resources if they don't have them to get that help financially so that kids, the idea is that kids will be ready for kindergarten visually before they enter the classroom. And say it again, you go to every preschool? Daycare and kindergarten registration. That's huge. Well, that that we can. It's very important, of course, to to look at this because parents are told to take their children for a screening of or some sort every every year before every school year. And unfortunately, statistics bear out that that doesn't happen. Also, in the Lehigh Valley, as you know, John, United Way of the Greater Lehigh Valley has its Lehigh Valley Reads project. Its goal is for every child to be a grade reading level at by the end of third grade because that's one of the most important indicators of whether or not they're going to do well in school. By the go, end of third grade. By the end of third grade. And it's a very simple fact, John. If, if a child cannot see very well, there is no way he or she's going to get to grade level of right. reading. And this is how important this is. This is fundamental. About 80% of what a young child learns comes through their visual system. So this is that fundamental of what we're doing. And I would, I would guess that uh, many children of that age, the young uh, grades, first, second, third grades, would not want people to know that they have a vision problem. Correct. Right? And, and also children of that age don't know they have a vision problem because that's all they've ever known. So being able to, or maybe they're not able to verbalize what's happening. And I've had many parents say to me, well, this explains a lot. 
<laughs> right. So it's very helpful. And we've had children who have been able to get glasses and therapy, eye therapy for their vision issues. And the idea is to prevent any future vision loss for these children. My guests this evening on Lehigh Valley Discourse are Dennis Zayner and Jennifer Pandolfo from Sites for Hope. We must take a break now. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment. Celtic Fair, a celebration of Celtic music and culture from its roots in Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Brittany, and Galicia to its branches in Australia, Cape Breton, Canada, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, and the Lehigh Valley. Music, interviews, and a weekly culture calendar every Thursday from 7 to 9 here on WDIY. Welcome back to Lehigh Valley Discourse. I'm John Pierce, your host. My two guests are Jennifer Pandolfo and Dennis Zayner from Sites for Hope. We're talking about vision problems and hope for the future for these folks. So far, we've talked uh, quite a bit about children having problems, sometimes not being able to identify those problems. What about adults? Jennifer, do you also see very many adults? Yes, the clients that we have at the agency are majority adults. The majority of the people that we see are over 65 years of age, um, and they are um, suffering from some of those eye conditions. They have some of those eye conditions that we spoke about before, and they've gotten to a point in their life where they have to live differently. They've become very isolated and um, lonely and depressed. So our agency gives them a chance to change that. And, not, and come out of their shell and come out of their comfort zone and do things differently. Do you have psychologists on staff? We do have certified with? counselors that work with mm-hmm. our clients on a one-to-one basis, but also in a group setting. So we do have one-on-one counseling, but we also offer support groups. So we have different types of support groups, but they give our clients the chance to give and get peer-to-peer support from each other. So they're talking and making relationships and gaining knowledge from other people who also are going through the same things that they're going through. And they're learning from other people and they're getting outside of their mind, expanding their experience to get s- emotional support for what they're going through. That's wonderful. And they, they, it's a way of socializing too. Absolutely. The socialization is, is a huge part because a lot of our clients don't have another chance to socialize and because they're isolated they just can't get in a car and go see a friend or or go join a bingo this gives them the opportunity to participate and meet friends and do fun, we also do fun, a lot of fun activities with the clients huh. um, you know we go bowling and apple picking and <laughs> doing some went to the winery so yeah it's a lot of fun and it's very important because we talk about independence. Well, that's really our key watchword is independence. And sometimes the biggest obstacle to anyone's independence is between their two ears. We are very much in the mental health business in, in as much as that's often what often this is the biggest hurdle, especially when someone first comes to us, is to be able to process the fact that something happened to them. And historically, uh, the loss of vision has been one of Amer- Americans' greatest fears. So we get people who, in their minds, have had the worst thing that could happen to them outside of death happen to them. 
And really, it's it's about that whole process of re- regaining your confidence, regaining your sense of self, and regaining a, a healthy outlook on life. And once you do that, you can go very far. That's sometimes the biggest obstacle a person faces. We can give you the tools, we can be there, but it still has to be something that the person makes the decision to do and to get better. And in the last couple of years, we've all been hit with in various ways by this pandemic that seemingly is not going away anytime soon. I wish it were. And you say, Dennis, in the article in The Morning Call, that only six out of 10 preschoolers had their vision checked before the pandemic. Right. So right now, what is, uh, especially in our area, when the pandemic hit, of course, in the spring of 2020, most of uh, the screenings that we do for preschool registrations obviously happen in the spring. So we lost essentially all of that spring 2020 class, most of the spring 2021 class. And as we're beginning to catch up with that, but it's still two groups of kids. Uh, again, we know from our experience, at least one in 10 is going to have some sort of issue that hasn't been discovered yet. And again, it puts them, behind, puts them behind in terms of what they're able to learn and what they're able to see. And of course, it's the most important years of their learning. What is the 2020 vision rule? So the 2020 vision rule is something that's been around for a little bit, but came to light during the pandemic because so many of us were online, especially the kids, all day, every day, because now we had to transform what we did to online. So the 2020 rule gives just something quick to remember. So the rule is to look away from your screen every 20 minutes for 20 seconds, 20 feet away. So 20, 20, 20 to give your eyes a break. So it has to do with staring at screens. Right. And giving your eyes a break, remembering to blink and to give your eyes a break from the screens. Absolutely. And some practitioners have added a fourth 20 to say then to follow it up for closing your eyes for 20 seconds. It's all about the science of the eye and getting it to focus and uh, avoiding eye strain. And of course, when you close your eyes, there's more, it's like blinking a long time and allows for lubrication and allows for continuous eye health. They've done studies where obviously you, the eyes dry out faster if all you're doing is looking at a screen all day. I know uh, during times where we've had to work from home, I've, I've noticed that and I've had to remind myself, okay, look away, do the 20-20 rule myself. I never heard of that 20-20-20 rule. I like it. And we could all benefit from that, right? Oh, absolutely. Not just people who are having some serious eye problems. Screen time per person, 18 and up. 13 hours a day, does that sound that, right? That was during the, height, yeah, during the height of the pandemic. It got up to that height. And I can tell you just from my own experience, yes, <laughs> especially having to do, do my job and uh, through the agency. And it's sometimes a little easier, too. I mean, obviously, you're, when you're working from home, your, your work computer is sometimes 12 to 15 feet from your bed. So it's very easy just to pop on and be there. And we're, we're just learning now that, of uh, course, that has a greater effect. And we understand that this had to happen because of, because of the, the global health emergency, but we're starting to figure out, okay, what effects that had and where to go from there. And it's something that, that is worrying, worrying a lot of people about what it's going to do to our visual health. The folks who work at Sites for Hope, Dennis Zayner, who is the executive director and CEO, and Jennifer Pandolfo, who is director of services, are working in an area of a tradition motivated by Helen Keller. That's correct. 1928. That's correct. It actually happened, it started in Bethlehem. In 1928, Helen Keller came and gave a speech to uh, Lions Clubs from Lehigh and Northampton County. She went around and spoke to a lot of Lions Clubs, and she implored them to become what she called 
Knights of the Blind. What happened through from that speech is two groups decided to start entities. One was in Lehigh County. One group alliance did that group. Another one did a group in Northampton County, led primarily through the then Bethlehem Lions Club. And those both started in 1928, and they continued to serve their areas. At one point, the Northampton group also added Monroe County to its to its area. And then in 2010, the two agencies, they decided to come together, and so they merged at that time. And they, that's what became known at the time as the Center for Vision Loss, which was the amalgamation of two organizations. Your listeners may have remember hearing the term viable. V-I-A-B-L, which was the Northampton County entity, and in Lehigh County was called the Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired. Through that, you had about 11 letters, so you decided they decided they wanted to come up with a name, and the name they had chosen at the time was Center for Vision Loss. So we are carrying forward that tradition, and we say we take that tradition, and now what we do is we move it forward with contemporary practices and uh, great assistive technologies, which is a huge part of what we do. And I never knew that Helen Keller was in the Lehigh Valley. She was in 1928. She, she At that point in her life, she did a lot of traveling. And again, the speech that she gave in Bethlehem, at what is now known as Liberty High School, was then called Bethlehem High School, obviously, was something that she gave in many places and, it, and credit the Lions groups for starting uh, and taking that very seriously and starting these two organizations. And through support of Lions clubs, they've, they continue to serve through these times. And again, when the, they decided it was best to consolidate in 2010. I think it's a great idea for service clubs like the Lions to focus on, that's a good term for, for uh, talking about eyes, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, well, focus well, on one area like this. Right. And, and Lions, the Lions Clubs International have, in, have throughout their history, vision has been their biggest, their biggest area of, of focus. So at Sites for Hope, you offer vocational training, rehabilitation services, transportation to medical appointments. We haven't talked about that. Yes. A really big one. That's one of our biggest services that we do offer for our clients. We offer transportation to and from any medical appointment, uh, grocery store or food access, the bank and the pharmacy. And our Mm -hmm. drivers are what we call sighted guides. They will stay with our clients the whole appointment. It is not a drop-off and pickup service, but the driver will make sure that the clients are getting to the doctor safely in and out of the doctor's office or helping them find items in the grocery store, helping them with their money, even helping them put the groceries away at the end of the day. So they're there as an assistant the entire appointment, staying with them to make sure that they're safe and that they're able to get where they need to go. What a service. So you're talking about grocery store, social programs. Uh, that would be your um, your bowling and exactly the winery and the winery. apple picking. <laughs> and every holiday season, which we're in, of course, they do usually do a trip to the uh, outtown farmers market. Usually, there's traditionally a trip to downtown Bethlehem during the Christmas season because, of course, Bethlehem being Christmas city. That's what we we integrate into what's important into their lives. Yeah, excellent. In a typical year, you screen 8,000 or more children. That's correct. Mm-hmm. In typical years, obviously, prior to COVID, with COVID changing things around, but that's, again, in our three-county area. When uh, We're back to children now. What is Camp I Can? What does that amount to? So Camp I Can is a two-week program we hold every summer for visually impaired youth between the ages of 5 and 12. And they come to our camp. It's a day camp for eight days over those two weeks, and we try to teach some of the same tools, but to the kids. So it's more of a fun and engaging way, maybe cooking skills or 
orientation skills, how to get around, technology skills, which some of them have more technology skills than we do. Um, but we also try to put some fun into it and get them to maybe have some experiences they wouldn't normally be able to have or be able to go to because of their visual impairment. Do they play any sports at this camp? We do try we do try to do a lot of fun things. We go swimming and we do try to play some some fun sports. There are some um, fun games out there that use beeper technology in which the balls or the sporting equipment beeps so the kids can listen to where the ball is coming. So <laughs> kickball for instance will beep and they know when it gets really loud. It's their turn to kick with with okay. with help from the staff of course. Yes, yes. But the, I think the most important part of camp I can is every year campers do a community service project uh through the years we've they, they've worked with animals in distress they've worked with uh, whitehall manor they worked with the kid they've helped the kids at the good shepherd hospital pediatric program and it's what's important is we're teaching we're teaching them that everyone can make a difference in their lives and we also find that there are children out there who are fighting battles even greater than them yes this has happened to you yes this is unfortunate in terms of the visual impairment but you could still go out and be a productive member of society and that's something that's very important to us we're not only giving them back their independence, but we're showing them how they can be uh, more than independent, but a productive member of society. And it's a great lesson that every kid should learn. And it's a great example of these children who have a issue that not, not every child has can go out and make a difference through either raising money or, or building something or doing something for their fellow man. That's a very important lesson that lasts for the rest of their lives, we hope. Yeah, I think that is so important because they're receiving, these children are receiving services, but not just that, but you're asking them to reach out and help others mm-hmm. who are, have even bigger problems. Sites for Hope. I hope that our listeners are enjoying learning about this organization. And if folks need to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Those of us, those who can go online, of course, uh, we go through our website, sitesforhope.org. We also have a Lehigh Valley number if you're in the Lehigh Valley area, 610-433-6018. Or if you're in Monroe County, 570-992-7787 are great ways to get a hold of us during our business hours. Let it be known that Dennis recited those phone numbers without notes. Huh, Jennifer? That was pretty impressive, right? (laughs) (laughs) Through repetition, um, something we just want <laughs> something we would like to add, John, is one of the one of the big things we do, and I, we haven't talked about a lot here today, but is work with assistive technologies or advanced technologies. Technologies have become a game changer for the folks we work with. Sometimes they're as simple as magnifiers. Sometimes they're big consoles. They, these are things that really even things out. And some some of our most pop- popular programming is about tech skills. We have a weekly uh, tech talk session for our clients, and it's simple as using the iPhone and how to be more independent with that. Dennis and Jennifer, thank you so much for coming. Believe it or not, our time is up. Dennis Zayner and Jennifer Pandolfo from Sites for Hope. I hope listeners can remember that title, Sites for Hope. And if you know somebody who needs some help with vision, or you yourself do, you can be in touch with them, sitesforhope.org. Dear listeners, stay tuned now as we talk about Catholic Medical Foundation. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Marcy Lightwood, a WDIY member and volunteer since 1995. If you find that you must take a minimum distribution from your IRA this year, consider an IRA charitable rollover. 
It will allow you to minimize your tax obligations, meet your required minimum distribution, and make a contribution to WDIY, our NPR member station, for more than 26 years. Welcome back to Lehigh Valley Discourse on this Thanksgiving evening. In this half hour, we're going to talk about an organization that is very, well, very useful and very impressive to me. It's called the Catholic Medical Foundation. My two guests are Dr. Christopher Chapman, who is a physician. His specialties radiology and nuclear medicine, along with Dave Pribilka, who is a colleague and who also is working. Dave, what is your position with the Medical Foundation? I basically take care of all the logistics, procuring our our items that we uh, uh, get donated, making sure that they safely uh, get into Beirut. And also helping set up an interview on WDIY. (laughs) I was very happy when you answered my email. (laughs) (laughs) And Dave, you are a listener of ours. Very much so. Very happy to hear that. So the Catholic Medical Foundation is a nonprofit based in Bethlehem, started in the early 90s by Dr. Chapman and his wife. He began coordinating medical and humanitarian aid in Bosnia during the war. So that was early 90s, Dr. Chapman, correct? Correct, yes. After successfully operating for over a decade and distributing over $72 million in relief, activities ended in 2004. They recently restarted the network to coordinate aid into Beirut, Lebanon, since the horrific explosion destroyed a portion of the city. That explosion happened when? It was August of the preceding year. Of 2020? 2020, yes. Just a year and a few months ago. Correct. So Dr. Chapman did his medical studies at the University of Syracuse in radiology and nuclear medicine, worked with hospitals, and then uh, you had something that was life-changing happen to you, Dr. Chapman. Tell us about that. Correct. In my early 30s, I developed early heart disease and for about 10 years kind of battled it till the end of my 30s, at which point it had progressed to the point where I was kind of in a terminal situation. My best friend happened to be my cardiologist and said, you know, we got to do something immediately. And they did surgery. Uh, I survived it. And upon surviving that afterwards, like most people, saw the world in a different light. Spirituality started to ignite. Wanted to thank God for giving me another chance and my family. So made a trip over to Magigoria in Herzegovina. It's a Marian shrine site. Just to say some prayers. And coincidentally, uh, the war broke out uh, between Serbia and Herzegovina in May. Um, the day we arrived, they declared war formally. Oh, my goodness. They had previously um, been battling Slovenia and Croatia, um, and it was spreading to all the former republics. So there was a young lady, uh, Kay King, who was a nurse, Irish lady. Um, everyone had been evacuated from the, the village except the very old and, and the infirmed. And she just said, could you please come back one more time? I need this. I need that. And you're a doctor. Would you please do it? And I said, well, we'll try. And we did go back one more time, um, not 
having any intention to do this for the next 30 years. But now by we, you mean you and your wife? Me and my wife. Um, shortly thereafter, it came to the attention of our pastor uh, at our church, and he said, look, this is great, and introduced us to Dave and his wife, Mary Ann, and, and said, you know, they're really interested in helping. And so they made some initial trips and then more trips and it just grew and grew and grew and people started to accept what we were doing and um, it was over 10 years that we were there people wondered if we were going to be there once and gone twice and gone um, we built a hospital during the war in Sarajevo, St. Vincent's with the help of the Papal Foundation wow. we opened up dialysis centers we basically tried to go into territories being overrun where the people said we got to have medicines um, we have to have school for our children we have to have food can you get it get us this and um, for some reason we were extremely successful and i did the begging and and dave and his wife you know <laughs> they uh, took a building that they were unloading containers by hand they built uh, loading platforms um, you know, drew up the architectural plan so our containers could backload. Um, they were able to manage all the warehouses over there. So during that war, we were a major contributor in areas that otherwise would have fallen and been overrun um, if we hadn't put our team together. Oh, what a story. And Dave, uh, you have recently this year uh, been over to uh, Beirut. Yeah, about a month ago. Uh, we uh, made a trip over um, to meet uh, a, a few 40-foot containers that we had uh, uh, loaded uh, about six weeks prior to that. So it takes six weeks uh, to go by ship? Yeah, and uh, yeah, mm. and, and get out of uh, customs over there as well. And, uh, the port doesn't really operate since the explosion. They've really, uh, half of the port was just destroyed. Uh, oh, in the wow. explosion there. Yeah. Um, there was an explosion uh, at a warehouse right along the docks. So that's slowed down the, uh, the, the amount of freight that they can intake. Uh, and it adds just another, uh, another week on to the transit. Right. Uh, so I was lucky enough to load uh, the freight here and go and unload it over there. All right, and you and your wife participated at that point? Uh, yeah, my wife. And Dr. Uh, Chapman, were you in on that one? Yeah, we went together, my wife, my grandson, and some Lebanese people from the Eastern community. Uh, we all went, and um, it was a team project. Yeah, many Lebanese in Easton. Quite a few, yep. If uh, some of our listeners would like to get in touch with you all and either make a contribution or just find out more about your activities with the Catholic Medical Foundation, how would they get in touch with you? We have a, a Facebook page, Catholic Medical Foundation, that uh, I try to update pretty much every week at least, uh, uh, just to keep everybody informed how we're managing the good from their hearts. Um, and our, our website is cathmedfoundation.org, uh, and uh, we urge people to go up and uh, just you know, click that donate button, and uh, a $10 donation goes directly uh, to aid. Uh, not one penny is spent on our travels or our uh, infrastructure or anything like that. It's 100% goes to the mission. Is this a full-time occupation for both of you at this point? At least. It's, it's becoming <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our, our, I think, foundation is a little bit different than most um, in that there is zero administrative costs. Um, the larger ones obviously have to pay for rent and personnel. So everyone who helps us is volunteering their time. 
we don't go out and solicit money per se. We solicit the product people need. My medical background gives me a relationship with the pharmaceutical companies. So we can get donated pharmaceuticals for the hospitals. Um, there's 20 we visited at the well, well-operated hospitals over there, very modern, and all they need is the medicines. We have that covered. But like most conflictual areas, they need food for the children because after the bombing, the government completely collapsed. There is no functional government there. Lebanon manufactures nothing. They import 100% of what they consume. Oh they can't make salt on the Mediterranean Sea. We have to import it because they have no manufacturing. So they need food for their schools, for their children. Um, they, they need school supplies. Um, there's just nothing there. Their currency is valued at 5% what it was a year ago. So it's worthless. Oh, wow. Only fresh American dollars will buy something except there's nothing on the shelves to buy. So here you are, um, unlike in, in Eastern Europe or when we were in the Sudan where the wars are raging and the infrastructure was annihilated and you had to build a house or you had to build a hospital, they're there. They're perfect. We just need the fuel to put in them to keep these educated people going. And they're extremely educated. And they're having to leave. And they're going to, to France. They're going to the Middle East countries, Kuwait, because they have no life. They have no reason to stay. There's no money. There's no food. There's no education. So oh. what we're doing is trying to keep their most valuable resource there, their people, from leaving. And so if, if what we do is if, if people have product, food, um, clothing, sneakers, there's virtually nothing that they can't use. It's, it's like a, a country decimated. There's nothing there and toilet tissue, paper towels, gloves. Um, they can literally use anything. Wow. And I've, I've heard – go ahead, Dave. Yeah, we've been uh, very fortunate that uh, so many donors have stepped up our uh, local community food distribution uh, areas that, um, that, you know, they take care of the local food banks first. And You're we, talking of Lehigh Valley. In Lehigh Valley uh, and the eastern, you know, eastern United States as well. Oh. We make sure that, uh, that we don't take anything from their local uh, food banks or anything like that. They take care of them first. We'll pick up uh, the, the rest uh, if there's anything left. Um, and uh, we, we really, really are very fortunate that uh, even this afternoon I'm going to pick up a full truckload of scratch and dent food. We will uh, bring that in, we'll box it up, and it'll be uh, food for 400 families uh, for, you know, a, a week or two. So you have to have a vehicle or two to do this hauling around. Uh, Penske Truck Rental has been very gracious to us, uh -huh. uh, and um, they trust me with their vehicles as well. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Chapman, are you willing to vouch for... Dave's trustworthiness. <laughs> Phenomenally, he's been doing it most of his life, as well as Marianne. And, and I can just tell you, in the past, when we had ex-Marines in a warehouse trying to to move a pallet, like in a maze, and he and his wife just said, "Step aside," and they drove that like a Lamborghini oh through goodness. the warehouse, and wow. I was just amazed. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're they're experts. Yeah. Uh, since we uh, began back in the early 90s, it's just amazing to see the, the people with each skill set that we just need at that time. We're very, very fortunate, and that's how we are so successful. Well, it's called the Catholic Medical Foundation. It's time for us to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more with 
Dr. Chapman and with Dave Pribilka about their wonderful work that they're doing through this nonprofit organization. It's Lehigh Valley Discourse. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment. Galactic Travels brings you hour-long soundscapes of electronic, ambient, and space music. That's Thursday night at 11, right here on WDIY Allentown, Lehigh Valley Public Radio, 88.1 FM and WDIY.org. Many choices, real voices. Welcome back to Lehigh Valley Discourse. I'm John Pierce, your host. I told you at the beginning of our half hour here about Dr. Chapman and his background in medicine. And I'd like to say a few words about Dave Pribilka. He lives in Neutropoli, Pennsylvania. Dave, I'd like you to tell the audience why it's not pronounced Tripoli. <laughs> it was actually named by a World War One soldier who was stationed in Tripoli, uh, and uh, when when he came back uh, from war, um, he you know had the chance to name this village, so he named it New Tripoli. Uh, <laughs> but the Pennsylvania Dutch really couldn't wrap their heads around <laughs> saying Tripoli, uh, so it became Tripoli. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I never heard that great story. story. Yeah, yeah, it is a great one. And uh, a shout out to your wife, Marianne. You've been married for 40 years. Yes, she puts up with a lot. Congratulations <laughs> on that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the 40-year folks are uh, unfortunately fewer and fewer as yeah. we go along, right? So you uh, opened and operated Zen Data. So you're an IT guy. Correct. With a company 23 years old, working with small businesses in the Lehigh Valley. So background in transportation and logistics. Well, that's why we're... Happy to have you doing what you're doing with carting all this. It was a natural, uh, a natural uh, position for me to jump into, um, mm. and it was exactly what uh, we needed uh, when, when you know war broke out in Bosnia. We had uh, all of a sudden a lot of equipment coming in, and one of the first things we had were seven Federal Express vans that were donated to be used as hospital uh, oh. as ambulances over there. Dr. Chapman was uh, kind of wondering how to get. Uh, seven vans uh, across the world and originally we were looking at uh, paying per van uh, to have them uh, uh, cross ocean shipped and then I came into it and said no no no, we can get a, two vans into a 40-foot container and load a whole bunch of other stuff in there for a price that we um, negotiated with uh, w- with the help of the UN ambassador. Um, it turned out that Croatia was 52% owner in a transocean shipping line so they came back and gave us a price of $2,400 for a, a 40-foot container, which we'd, we would get from mm-hmm. uh, the uh, ports in Dundalk, Maryland, and they mm-hmm. went uh, directly to Rijeka, Croatia. And then we would have drivers uh, take them down into Bosnia and pay whatever they had to pay to get them across the border, right. uh, get them down to where we distributed them uh, by hand. 
Well, I can so, I can see your value to this uh, operation right away. Uh, huh? Yeah, our first load was five containers on a night that I was deathly ill with the flu. <laughs> oh, but it had to be done, so uh, we just you know plugged away and. Uh, How did you get the twenty four hundred dollars that you needed for that? Uh, I think that was a generous benefactor right. who uh, decided it was just important to um, yeah. you know uh, to get done. Right. Uh, what we had done. A good use of the money. Uh, and, uh, we, you know, after that, we had, uh, you know, written for some grants. Uh, we had the support of the Allentown Diocese as well uh, back then under Bishop Welsh. And, uh, you know, and then it just blossomed from there. Um, the need was growing and our uh, mission grew with it. Uh, and it's much like uh, now when Dr. Chapman had sent me a text message, hey, why did we ever you know, stop uh, doing what we were doing, you know, saving lives? And, and I said, well, you know, the war ended and our projects wrapped up. And, and he says, can we start it up again? <laughs> uh-huh. um, and how many years was it between, you're talking between Bosnia between and Bosnia and, and uh, this Lebanon. past March, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was from ni- uh, 2004 until just this past March. First thing we needed was warehouse space. So I went to uh, where uh, Orfield Cold Storage um, and knocked on their door, uh, and this was right when COVID kind of hit. Um, so I put my mask on and knocked on their door. I said, "Hey, years ago, <laughs> gave us storage for a pallet. Uh, do you have uh, any warehouse space?" And they said, "Oh yeah." Uh, so we now um, uh, have about uh, twenty thousand square feet uh, that we can um, uh, get freight in, manage the freight, and then get it out. So much in logistics, huh? With this uh, getting things ab- abroad to other countries. Dave, are you still involved in coordinating projects for pre-K schools in western coast of Jamaica? Yeah. Yeah, my wife and I, uh, you know, did some vacationing down there. And uh, again, on uh, a week before Christmas, I had the chance to visit a school in the hills outside of Jamaica, in outside in the grill, and uh, just talk to the principal and I said you know you guys could probably use some help and she said absolutely and uh, it's very important for my wife and I to keep that uh, uh, going Um, over there a a child that goes through a pre-k school uh, 99% of them graduate uh, high school and go on to university wonderful uh, which is uh, uh, just astounding once they learn to learn um, they they get to enjoy it and those those early years are so important so we you know build a you know build a few classrooms on uh, you know build another bathroom fix their water system and uh, Uh and and work with a couple different schools uh, there and we just try to support their projects they tell me what they need I raise the money for it and we have the local people build and you know, we right. stimulate their economy as well. Does so. this involve your going there with your wife? Yeah, from yeah time it's to time? rather a pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah. Come back to Jamaica. Huh? Uh, that's exactly. what they say. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked about how you get aid to these different places. What sparked your interest particularly in Beirut? Uh, the history was there. Um, I was followed Middle East history and... I'd worked for like 30 years at Easton Hospital with an awful lot of Lebanese uh, people in my department. Um, knew them very, very well. They're very... Colle- pa- colleagues of yours. Yes. Oh. Um, when this happened, um, they knew we had done, through the 30 years, uh, aid in Eastern Europe. And just kind of came and said, look, is, do you think there's anything you could do to help? And I said, gee, I don't know. It's been a while. Let me see if... I can find out if my contacts are still there. 
And not surprising, over 30 years, an awful lot of them had died or retired. I, I had a book probably of 3,000 contacts around Whoa. the world that had donated materials. Found some, called up David and said, look, uh, I got this request. You know, we need you and your wife. We need warehouse space. We need logistics. We need transport. You know, I have the easiest part. I make a phone call and I tell the story and say, would you please help, okay? And, and the companies will say, well, you know, apply for a grant. And I said, I, I don't want your money. Your money's not going to do me any good. I need your powdered milk. I need your peanut butter. I need your canned food because these people are starving. And if the money was over there, there's nothing to buy. So please give me the food. And, and they do. That's the easy part. Now, Dave has to make arrangements to pick it up in Timbuktu, <laughs> get it here, get it palletized, get it shipped, do the bookings, get the paperwork. I mean, he's got 99% of the headache. I got 1%. Uh, my big, biggest disappointment if people say no. But, you know, th there's a lot of resources in this country. So we tried a half a container to see if it would be safe. The, we work with the Franciscan Network and the Daughters of Charity Networks. Okay, they have hospitals. They've been there forever. They had been receiving aid in the past successfully untouched half a container went through hallelujah we tried a full container to both that went through now we're doing two and four containers and they're all going through they're untouched they have reliable resources uh, the people are very very happy to receive this food so so far we have had absolutely no problems in getting it there safely we're paying now, I believe, $1,800 just for the freight across. It's probably another $1,200 in transporting fees. So for $3,000, right now because of the pandemic, the shipping lanes have been so disrupted, it costs between twenty dollars and $25,000 to ship a container from China to here or vice versa. It's, it's prohibitive for commerce now, the cost to ship. These shipping lines, because of what we're doing, are, are giving us phenomenal discount. We, we would never have the money or be able to afford to send these materials. Some of the materials, half of our containers are filled with medical supplies, and that may be between two and three million dollars wholesale of pharmaceuticals. Some you just can't get anywheres over there for any amount of money, so we've been very blessed. The rest, food, clothing, hospital beds, um, whatever it is they need to continue because the project is medicine for the hospital, food for the hospital. Hospital of the Cross is the only hospital in the entire Middle East for psychiatric patients. They have 1,000 mm. patients. And that's, that's in, in Beirut. That's in Beirut, run by the Franciscan sisters. 3,000 meals a day, okay? So what I need are 50-pound bags of flour, wheat, sugar, you know, those materials. They can't afford to pay any of their employees. Well, how do they keep them? They give them food. So from the grocers in this area, we get the five-pound bags of flour, sugar, and they, we make boxes so they can kind of pay their employees with boxes of food, boxes of food yeah. to keep them there. It's literally a barter system now. Okay. Oh my goodness. And that's very very oh. common when government collapses. That people tend to you know uh, barter. You know you, you tend to turn to barter when the money's not worth it. Right. But for now. Um, you know, companies out there can uh, donate $4,000 and put their name on a container. They did this. They got this, you know, 20 tons of aid. And get a uh, tax write-off for it. Absolutely. Uh, individuals can sponsor a pallet uh, of, of freight. Uh, we'll take care of the freight. Uh, $400, you can, you know, go online uh, to cathmedfoundation.org, uh, make that donation 
put in a note that it's from XYZ company and um, you will get a thank you uh, personalized uh, because uh, that's the way we roll, right. as they say today. You're small enough <laughs> that you can do that and you do. So. Franklin Farms is a smaller food entity that produces and markets powdered milk. They need that desperately as a protein source. We've made major um, donation requests to the large producers and are still waiting. Um, within 24 hours, Franklin Farms said, um, yes, we'll do it. They went to their CEO. Uh, we were loading and shipping a container the next day. His wife got on a truck, drove down that day to Maryland, picked it up, brought it back. We put it on the container. That was in 24 hours Franklin Farms did that. Wow. Um, so they're extremely kind, um, very, very <coughs> philanthropic. And we're finding now it's kind of the smaller entities. Um, we're in desperate need of a 14-passenger van truck for kids in a school in the mountains where when there's snow there, they have to pick them up um, because of COVID. And so they said, you know, is there any chance? So I said, 14-passenger van, I don't even know what that looks like. But I'm <laughs> guessing there might be vendors in the valley who lease these to schools and they may come off. So, you know, if they're in that situation, it may be on their lot. They may not have a high demand for it. That may be something they want to donate and take a tax write-off. Right. Wow. Again, it's the product we're looking for, not necessarily a check. And it's a, you know, it, it's a testament to the goodwill of everyone that um, since March we've, uh, j just this morning I loaded our uh, 11th container, <laughs> and uh, uh, that put us uh, just under 20 million in aid uh, successfully uh, delivered um, uh, since March. Uh, so, right. you know, there's only a handful of us, but we're very, very good at what we do. Yeah, obviously. This is the voice of Dave Pribilka and also here with Dr. Christopher Chapman from the Catholic Medical Foundation. I'll have to admit, before uh, we were in touch to do this interview, I did not know of the foundation. It's not a large foundation, but with a large heart, <laughs> for sure. Indeed. It always gets us in trouble. <laughs> but the need, is, uh, the need is there, and we've been there, and we've looked at these people in their eyes, and they're really the heroes. I mean, they stay and manage these patients with the uh, utmost care and, and love um, that, that uh, you could possibly imagine. Are these nurses that uh, you're talking nurses, about? Nurses, the, the lay workers, the doctors, the maintenance, you know, housekeeping. Everybody I pitches mean, in. Their whole purpose is to uh, ease the suffering of, uh, uh, of those that come to their doors. And uh, since we've, you know, uh, we've met these people and sat with them, we just can't give up now. Uh, mm -hmm. It, it kind of hardens, uh, hardens our resolve uh, to continue. Right. So it, for the foreseeable future, you're going to continue to be active with Beirut, Lebanon. For sure. The Lebanese. This is not going to go away tomorrow or next year and um, uh, until the economy recovers, which doesn't happen overnight. Um, we have had individual grocer companies corporately say, we'll help you once, okay? And they helped us. We took photos and videos, and we sent them back. And they saw the, the, the smiles on their faces in the video. Mm -hmm. They took it up to the head CEO of the corporation and said, look what we did. And he said, my God, he goes, tell them we're going to do this every month. We'll continue them as long as they need help. Ooh. So, like, we've said to him. We're here for the duration. We were 10 years in Croatia and Bosnia. You know, if it takes 10 years and God lets us live that long, you know, we'll be there. But hopefully it won't. Wonderful work that you all are doing. Anything about upcoming events, Dave? 
there are some, uh, and uh, the, most of the you know uh, of the fundraising events are coming from the parish in Easton. Correct. Uh, Our Lady of Lebanon uh, Church uh, uh, in Easton has uh, raised considerable monies to help us with the transport costs. The the Currys in particular, a large family, and at Big Daddy's restaurant, so they've been having. Um, uh, f- food sales, so to speak, of, of delicacies and Lebanese food, and um, so they have some events that uh, they would be able to, uh, you know, provide the dates uh, for. They're kind of not set in stone yet. And then I know I think we have a 5K run coming up uh, that'll be a fundraiser for us, and that should be in the spring time uh, as well. Uh, so we're going to try to get through the winter for the donations uh, uh, that everybody can go to our website and, and donate if you get, uh, you know. 40 people to give $10, they've just sponsored a, a pallet of aid. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's kind of neat. They can, you know, right from your couch, you can uh, really make an impact on someone's life where hope really is a very difficult thing to come by. And then our upcoming events, I'll, I'll be posting on our website and our Facebook page as well. And again, the website is? CathMedFoundation.org. All right. Dave, what do you mean by duration of sending aid? Well, it was just touching on um, our commitment, you know, which is ongoing. Uh, we we kind of looked at everybody during our trip and said, we will not quit on you. You know, right. you know that uh, they realized we came back with a list and we'll fill our list and we're, we're doing good. You, know? you are doing we do, We'd love to be out of business. It would be yes, a wonderful world yes. if there was no need for yes. us. Uh, but um, I think it was great that, uh, you know, WDIY and, and John, you uh, agreed to interview us. Sure. Uh, uh, it, it really, we're not well known, but we have such a, a major impact. And uh, it's important for the people of Lehigh Valley to know that, you know, this small group is, is making such a major difference oh, uh, half a that, world away. That is terrific. Yeah. Half a world away. We have been listening to information about the Catholic Medical Foundation this half hour from Dave Pribilka and from Dr. Christopher Chapman. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming by and sharing with us and with our listeners this great work that you're doing. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks God kindly. bless you both. And we mentioned Marianne, who is Dave's wife. How about a little shout out to your wife? My wife, Judith Ann, yes. Judith Ann. And that does it for Lehigh Valley Discourse. Remember, until we meet again, to be gentle with your neighbor.